You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past. You know, Marines being so macho and manly don't want to talk about it, and there is a stigma when it comes to talking about post-traumatic stress disorder. Ex-Marine Jeremiah Workman. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Veterans Day reminds us that combat is not an isolated experience in a service member's life. Serving in Iraq in 2004, Marine Sergeant Jeremiah Workman earned the Navy Cross for gallantry under fire after a ferocious firefight in Fallujah in which he killed 20 enemy combatants. But Workman returned home with post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, and protecting his mental health proved to be as big a challenge as protecting his men in Fallujah. In 2009, the same year he was medically discharged from the Marines, Workman wrote a book, a memoir, called Shadow of the Sword, and that's when I met him. So here now from 2009, Jeremiah Workman. There's so many guys and gals coming back from the war that are dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, and uh, I think because, because of my award, uh, people will listen to me, um, and I, just, I don't want to see other people, you know, internalize it and go spiral out of control and hit rock bottom like I did. So if somebody can read this book and say, you know what, if Staff Sergeant Workman can raise his hand and get help, then maybe I can too, because it didn't affect my career. It, I still got promoted. And in fact, I probably gained more respect because I did it. So, I was going to say, does that surprise you in any way? I mean, before we get into the substance of your story, I mean, does it surprise you that not only, I mean, the general public says, well, of course, there's post-traumatic stress disorder. We've heard about this for years. But within the service, we've been told, you just don't talk about this. You just don't do this. But you've had a very positive response. Yeah, I think, um, um, at least in the Marine Corps, you know, they realized that this war was going to create a lot of mental injuries and uh you know marines being so macho and manly don't want to talk about it and there is a stigma um this wall when it comes to talking about post-traumatic stress disorder and uh the marine corps leadership from the commandant sergeant major of the marine corps down is addressing it and they're letting the marines know that it's okay to raise your hand and get help you know, you're not going to be disciplined. You're not going to, you're not weak, but it's just with, I think Marines get nervous around their peers. They don't want their peers to think that they're weak and they can't handle it. But that's another reason I wrote the book, you know, so I'm proof that, cause I, I'll tell you, I'm not weak. <laughs> um, I had some issues. I, you know, PTSD is a combat injury. It just doesn't have blood, so it needs to be treated like that. Did anybody tell you about any of this before you went to Fallujah at Christmas in 2004? I had never heard of PTSD in my life. Um, I, I uh, you know, in high school, I played four sports a year, homecoming king, thought I had life, you know, I had, it was perfect. Um, and went to war. Before we deployed, they didn't say, hey, look, when you come back, be aware, you know, these symptoms. It was nothing like that. And, you know, I found out on my own the hard way, um, you know, as far as, you know, I was drinking excessively. I was 
if I got in my car, I had to do 100 miles an hour. I constantly had to be on the razor's edge to get that adrenaline. And, you know, I, I did this for a year, and it almost killed me. You describe in the book, the food, which I can't even begin to paraphrase, so people will have to buy the book to, to read how you describe it, but you describe the feelings of, of not just survivor's guilt, which is a whole other kind of component of this as well, but just the feeling that I kind of, you, you began to allude to it there, that you came so close to death at that point that you're not really alive unless you're that close to death all the time. Yeah, well, you know, when you get into a situation in combat and you... I call it the razor's edge. And once you get up on it, it's hard to come off. Everything you do has to compare to that. I mean, skydiving, anything dangerous. And it's, um, luckily in the, you know, the last four or five years, I've learned, I've gotten the counseling, the help, and I've kind of stepped back away from the edge a little bit. But that's, um, that's definitely one of the big, you know, big pieces of the puzzle is, the adrenaline rush, you constantly got to be on the verge of hurting yourself or somebody else. or and it's Which, ironically, serves you well when you're in uniform with a weapon in your hand with the enemy 100 yards away. That's You want that, don't you? Yeah, definitely. It's, um, you know, while you're over there, it's, um, it's fight, or, fight or die. And uh, some sometimes you, you can't turn the switch off when you come back. And... Um, you know, PTSD, when you have something traumatic happen in your life, it's like a, you know, a scratch and a record and it just keeps playing and playing and playing and it doesn't move on to the next song. And that's, you know, that's what happens. Now, I guess to continue that analogy, when I was a kid, some of my records would skip. And now to this day, 40 years later, when I hear that song, it still skips in my mind. So I guess to use that kind of rough analogy, if you've had a life experience that has caused a skip in your record, how do you get past in your mind, not hearing the normal version of that song, but hearing the skipping version? How do you get past that? You know, for some of us, it uh, we find out the hard way. Um, you know, I hit rock bottom. I uh, had a suicide attempt. I was doing everything wrong. I... Um, Finally, I, you know, I got to Paris Island, and I had had some people down there, a senior staff and CEOs that really took care of me and got me the help that I needed. And, uh, you know, I've learned to deal with it. It doesn't go away, but, you know, I found ways to live with it and deal with it. And, you know, I just take it day by day, you know, one day at a time and get through it. And it's still there. It's still skipping. But... You know, you just learn to move on. Well, of course, part of what you're talking about in this book, too, is that it doesn't affect just you. It affects everyone around you. Yeah, that's, um, I think that's, that's very important to talk about that because PTSD, it doesn't just hit you and that's it. It affects everybody around you. You know, you got the mood swings, the anger, the depression, the ups and downs and in-betweens and it's just, uh, for people that are dealing with PTSD, you need to really uh, look in the mirror long and hard and think about, do you want your family putting up with this? Because eventually they're going to leave if, if you continue down that path. 
And, um, you know, that's luckily for me when my son was born, you know, that was a huge, that was it for me. I, I realized that I had to overcome this. You know, I wanted to be a good father for my son. And that was a real turning point for you, wasn't it? It was. It, um, you know, as he was born, you know, the first thing I thought about was the Marines we lost over there, how they would never have the chance to be fathers. And it just um, made me realize that life is short and I, I don't want to waste it. And now I've got this little guy to take care of and I want him to look up to me. I want, you know, I, I just want him to know that I gave it my, you know, my best and I went through a hard time, but I was able to, you know, pick myself up and get back on the horse and continue to ride. After this short break, Jeremiah Workman contrasts his experience with that of Vietnam vets. Start your day with Now I've Heard Everything. We post new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 5 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. Subscribe now so you'll have something fresh to listen to and get your day going. Now back to my 2009 conversation with Jeremiah Workman. You also, at some point in the book, say that uh, you address yourself directly to your fellow veterans who may be thinking about swallowing a fistful of pills or putting a gun in their mouth and you telling them no, because then the bad guys win. Yeah, you know, I've always said that for those that come back from Iraq or Afghanistan and they, and they take that route, it's an 8,000-mile sniper shot, and it's a victory for the enemy all the way, you know, 8,000 miles away. And we got to stop this from happening. As you know, suicide rates in the Army and the Marine Corps right now are th through the roof. Um, no fault of the services. You can't sit every single person down and say, you got PTSD, you need to go to the doctor. It doesn't work like that. You have to do it yourself. Um, know what the symptoms are, educate yourself. And if you start experiencing those symptoms, go early because it's just, if you have a broken leg, you go to the hospital, you put a cast on it. Six weeks later, you're fine. It's the same with PTSD. If you nip it in the butt early, you know, you can, you don't have to go down that road that I went down. So I also had another thought as I was reading your book. I mean, I, I'm from the Vietnam era and there were men who came back from that war with PTSD, but somehow or another, the nation decided that was a bad war. You've come back from what the nation has decided is a good war. Is, are things different for you and, and your fellow veterans who have PTSD? You know, it's, um, when you talk about the Vietnam veterans, they came back, they were treated like dirt. They, they didn't get the respect they deserved. And so when you're, Dealing with PTSD and society basically hates you, baby calling you baby killers, the whole nine yards. I can only imagine, you know, how much more that intensifies it the guilt, the shame, the depression, the you name it. You've met some of those guys, haven't you? Oh, yeah. I, uh, the first guy, uh, we landed in Riverside, California when we came back, and there was a bunch of people there waiting to greet us, and this Vietnam vet came up to me. And uh, gave me a big bear hug. I thought <laughs> he was hugging me so hard. I thought he was mugging me. I thought he was going to take my wallet. But, you know, all he whispered in my ear, thank you. And when I looked at him, he had tears running down his face. And that 
is something I'll never forget ever. And I just looked at him and I said, no, thank you. Um, we need to ensure that this never happens again and that, you know, our servicemen and women get the respect they deserve when they come back. And it's very unfortunate, you know, what happened to those guys and gals. But for us, um, I think because it's just, uh, something we don't have to deal with. Luckily, you know, PTSD is hard enough to deal with alone, but with the support of our country, you know, it doesn't, it's, it could be a lot worse, you know what I mean? You know, if we didn't have the support of the of the people of this country. Now, did you come back physically whole? Yeah, I, I was extremely lucky. I, I, a lot of people in the house that day were extremely lucky. Um, because of the type of grenades they were using, they were using homemade grenades. Um, yeah, we got peppered with shrapnel, but that was it. How's your How's your hearing? Um. All right, considering the situation I was in, um, I, I was diagnosed with a mild traumatic brain injury um, about a year ago. So I uh, got my, you know, my brain rattled around a little bit in there, but physically I'm fine. And I'm just, you know, I thank God every day that I'm here and I'm able to play catch with my son, and, you know, do all those things that dads do. So now that the book is written, it's out there, you're on a book tour, you're being interviewed by the media, does that feel, I, 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 other authors have described it to me as kind of feeling like an out-of-body experience, like you're describing something that happened to somebody else. Are you getting that at all? No, you know, it's just, um, I look at it with the media and everything as a chance to not really to tell my story. I mean, the book is there. People, you know, people are going to read it and know my story, but it's just about educating people and helping others. Um, if I can, if one person reads this and says, you know what, if Jeremiah can get help, then I can too. And so that's kind of how I'm, you know, I'm looking at the, the touring around and talking to people and it's a chance to help people. But you also got a very strong wife behind you. Oh yeah, she's uh, she's amazing. She's uh, she's put up with a lot. Um, she's been there through thick and thin. Um, strong woman, um, love her to death, and I'm just glad she decided to you know stick with me and be in this for the long haul. So, what does your work consist of now? I am, uh, I've, I've got about five weeks left in the Marine Corps. I'm being medically retired for PTSD and my, uh, brain injury I just spoke about. Um, but I'm at the Wounded Warrior Regiment at Quantico, Virginia, helping wounded guys any way I can. Um, generally I'm doing a lot of, uh, you know, guys that have kind of fallen through the VA cracks, helping them get their paperwork submitted so they can get their VA benefits that they deserve and rate and, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty fulfilling for me to you know it's like me I'm giving back to them so so where do you go from here then? Um, I've actually the Wounded Warrior Regiment has actually offered me a job as a civilian, so doing the same exact thing as a civilian that, that I do now as a Marine. So I'm very lucky and fortunate that that opportunity presented itself to me. Um, and I'm looking forward to it, and it's all about helping these guys and gals that are coming back. They've paid 
so much, you know, for our freedom and our livelihood. And, you know, that's the least I can do. The only thing I'd like to add is just, uh, you know, keep, keep the men and women that serve our country your thoughts and prayers. And, uh, just, uh, don't forget, you know, they're over there hooking and jabbing every day, every night. It's not Monday through Friday, nine to five. It's seven days a week, every day, Christmas. It doesn't, they don't get a break. So just keep them in your thoughts and prayers and, uh, just don't forget why we're free. Jeremiah Workman announced last spring that he'll be running for governor of his native Ohio in 2026. Now you can get a copy of Shadow of the Sword by Jeremiah Workman by tapping on the link in our show notes or by going to our website, heardeverything.com. We may earn an Amazon commission if you make a purchase. Heardeverything.com is where you'll also hear my interviews with family members of two other veterans. My 1998 conversation with Denise Donnelly they're waiting for my brother to die. I'm convinced of it because when he's dead, the story isn't as compelling. He's not sitting there before you, a quadriplegic in a wheelchair who cannot speak and cannot eat. And my 2008 interview with Pat Tillman's mother, Mary Tillman. Pat died in Afghanistan, but the Abu Ghraib prison scandal was breaking. Fallujah was in chaos. The president's approval rating was dismal. So I think that this grandiose story about Pat was meant to deflect. And of course, we post new episodes of Now I've Heard Everything here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. And thank you so much for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything... We recently lost a popular actress who was known for her comedy, her comedic roles, but Suzanne Somers also had a very serious side, and we'll hear that next time in my 1993 interview with Suzanne Somers. My characters have a moral code. Chrissy Snow had a moral code. Her moral code was a simple one. She would never tell a lie. She would never steal anybody's husbands or boyfriends. She was the daughter of a minister. We knew exactly the box she lived in. We knew what she would and wouldn't do. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson.